Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm really excited about today's show. I'll be joined by Anne Hanley. She's the author of the brand new book, Everybody Writes, and that includes you. And we'll explore why the written word matters in social media. We'll talk about the art of story and much, much more. I've also got an awesome discovery that I'd like to share with you right now. After mediating a crocodile family dispute, look at what Michael Stelzner discovered. Is part of your strategy to locate really interesting or popular content to share with your audience? Well, if that's the case, I've got a really cool resource that I want to share with you called Sway. And you can check it out at swayy.co. S-W-A-Y-Y.co. They've got free and paid accounts. I've got a free account. And basically, you log in with your Twitter ID and or your Facebook or both. And what it does is it analyzes your audience and then it shows you the most popular trending topics that your audience is talking about. So for example, on my Twitter account, social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, marketing, Twitter, blogging, those are kind of the hot uh, topics that my audience is talking about. And that of course makes sense considering that we are a social media examiner. But what's really cool is it shows up suggested content for for me to share. And I'm looking at all these articles that are from reputable sources that I can choose to share with my community. So this is really valuable because in in seconds it lifts up all the popular articles, when it was published, what time, and frankly allows you to share within the app. Um, We're not using it necessarily to share within the app. We're using it more as a discovery engine to um, use as, you know, stuff that we might schedule outside in some of the other efforts and some of the other tools that we have. But what's really cool about this is it just kind of allows you rather than sifting through endless websites and, you know, thousands of different followers on your social channels, it allows you to see kind of what everyone else is talking about. And in particular, it's articles focused. So check it out at sway.co, S-W-A-Y-Y dot C-O. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. And with that, let's transition over to today's expert interview. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. I'm very excited to be joined today by Anne Hanley. 
If you don't know who Anne is, she's the co-author of the book Content Rules and the chief content officer at Marketing Profs, a training and education company that's designed to empower both big and small marketers. Her newest book, which is destined to be a bestseller, is called Everybody Writes, Your Go-To Guide for Creating Ridiculously Good Content. And welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Mike. I am so happy to be here. So today we're going to explore why writing is important for marketers and how you can improve your written words. So Anne, um, give us the backstory. How did this book come about? Um, so I wrote this book because I couldn't find what I wanted, what I wanted when I tried to find it, which is part writing guide that's framed for marketers and for business as opposed to, say, you know, journalists or, or novelists or essayists, uh, part handbook on the rules of good sportsmanship and content marketing, um, and an all, all around, I would say, you know, kind of reliable desk companion for anyone who is either uh, creating or directing content on behalf of, of brands or, or companies. Um, you know, as you mentioned in your in your nice introduction, you know, four years ago, I co-authored Content Rules with my good friend Cece Chapman, um, and I think that was part of the conversation, part of the the initial um, evolution into making content a cornerstone of, of marketing, of what we're all doing these days as marketers. But I think the biggest thing that's being ignored in this conversation is writing, and I think that in our world. You know, since we are, we live in a planet of, of publishing, we're all able to communicate. Um, but at the same time, I think uh, it's, you know, being able to write well isn't just nice, it's necessity. And I also think it's an, it's an often overlooked cornerstone of all content that's being put out there. Well, the book you wrote with CC, um, Content Rules, has been crazy successful. Can you share a little bit? I mean, it hasn't been translated into like, I don't even know how many languages. Yeah, about nine different languages. Yeah, that was actually a little bit of a surprise to us because, uh, you know, we, we wrote that book uh, with much more modest goals. But, um, but yeah, it's been wonderful. And, and I think, to me, it sort of gave me the confidence to think, okay, maybe I do have something to say about content and, and about marketing. Um, I'd been creating content to connect with audiences for a long time. You know, my background is as a journalist, and um, I worked in in. Uh, business to business publications for a long time. So, you know, that's really where that book comes out of. And um, so, yeah, that's been, that's been really gratifying. Well, I know you and I have known each other for a very, very, very long time. I mean, you know, in the grand scheme of things, um, back when I was the white paper guy and I know. Know, <laughs> way back in the day, I mean, you know, post click Z and, and marketing profs. And um, you, I mean, you are an amazing writer and you know how difficult it is to write a book. What in the world were you thinking? Like, when, when did the bug come to write this second book? And like, how hard was it to go from the bug to actually doing the work? Yeah, well, you know what that's like, Mike. It's, it's, it's not fun. Um, I resisted the, the bug for a long time and I just thought I don't have it in me to, to get another book out. Um, but like I said, you know, I was, this book really came out of uh, a love and a passion for good writing. And I want to see marketers do better things with their content. So it got to the point for me where I thought I can't not write this book. You know, I can't, I cannot not do this. Um, because I felt like I, could share what I know about writing and I thought I could frame it for an audience that I know really well. Um, and so, you know, that's where it came out of. Now that said, was it painful? Heck yeah. <laughs> and it's not over. It was, You're now entering the promotion was, stage. <laughs> that's right. It's right. I mean, that's the thing, you know, you go from being a writer to being in uh, sales. Exactly. Right? So, 
<laughs> well, um, <laughs> we did a survey um, a couple months ago uh, called the 2014 uh, Social Media Marketing Industry Report. And in that study, 58% of our respondents said that the written word or written content is the most important form of content, Mm. um, which is surprising, but exciting for those of us that are writers. And Mm. um, talk to me right now and to the people listening. Why is the written word so important to marketers? Yeah, I think there's a couple reasons. Um, I mean, it, it is surprising in a way, but in a way it's not, right? Because I think in our online world, you know, in a world, like I said, we're all publishers. Um, I think that our online words become our ambassadors, right? So they're telling our customers who we are. You know, they're communicating through our website, through most of our social channels. Um, they're basically telling our story for us. So I can see why folks would think that that writing really is a cornerstone of, of their content because, you know, it is. Um, I think that our writing can make us look really smart or it can make us look really stupid. So it can convey a lot of things about us. You know, it can make us seem um, warm and fun and competent and trustworthy, but it can also make us seem really, you know, boring and humdrum and, and sort of confused, you know. So I think choosing the words that we're using to tell our story um, is really important and, and, you know, really, really putting words together in a way that that'll connect with your customers. Um, you know, some people, some people have said when I told them that I was writing a book about writing, um, some people have said, well, you know, this is a world of video and a world of podcasts like this one and webinars and, you know, who cares about writing anymore? Um, but I don't think that's true. I mean, I think in a world where we all have a platform, you know, where blogs are more important, where websites are critical, that words do matter now more than ever. Well, and just to piggyback on what you're saying a little bit, the on-ramp to writing is short, the on-ramp to any kind of marketing is shortest with writing Mm -hmm. because the, um, the barrier to create a video is rather large, you know? I mean, even though you can pick up your phone and record a video, it's still a lot of effort to actually go from actually getting everything prepared and making sure you look good on camera. And the same thing with audio. There's a lot of equipment and a lot of work that goes into creating a podcast. But to actually just write a sentence or two when it's done well can be done literally in seconds and the impact can be phenomenal. Right. And I think because the um, because of that, that's part of the reason why Twitter has been so successful. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, there was no visuals when Twitter started and there that's was true. no visuals when Facebook started. It was all text updates, wasn't it? Yeah. So, so I yeah. mean, we have to realize that that the resistance is very, very low um, and the impact is very, very high when the words are crafted well. Now, um, having said that, I know that there's a lot of people listening right now that are maybe better able to articulate themselves verbally than they are in writing. And I know the title of your book is Everybody Writes. So what do you want to say to the person listening right now that says, you know what, I hate writing? <laughs> yeah, I, you know what, I hear that a lot. Or more what I hear is, I'm, I'm not a writer. Or I hear uh, about some childhood trauma that somebody suffered when, you know, some school teacher told them that they were a terrible writer. Or that was, they were that was incredibly, me, by the way. That was, oh, really? That was totally me. Yeah, I hear that all the time that, you know, somebody at some point was incredibly critical of something that somebody wrote. And so they kind of encoded it as that they're not a writer. Um, But I don't know. I, you know, I think that we're setting the bar too high. I think that, you know, 
consistent with the title of the book, you know, we really are all writers. You know, if you are, if you have a website, you're in marketing. If you're on social media, you, you know, you are in, uh, in marketing. And so I feel like that we're all writers, right? We're all communicating. I also think that there is this notion out there, and, and this is kind of what you're alluding to, that you're either a writer or you're not, you know, that we're either gifted or we're not. But I don't buy that, and I don't think that's true at all. I think that learning to craft better content, to be a better writer, really does involve nothing more than just developing some necessary muscles. And you know this, Mike, because you read the book, but I, I, there's a story I tell in the book about how a year ago I couldn't do a push-up, you know, <laughs> and I always considered myself a spectacularly unathletic person. Um, I couldn't do a push-up. I could never do a pull-up. I was, you know, incredibly scrawny and weak. So about a year ago, I started with a personal trainer. And, you know, what do you know? With, about four months ago, I was able to do a push-up. So <laughs> I know that was a big moment for me. It seems really, really, you know, lame maybe to some people, but to me it was huge. I really felt like empowered. And so I tell that story because I also think that writing is very similar. It's, it really is just something you need to practice just like a push-up. And I think everybody is capable of producing really, really good writing, ridiculously good writing. I don't say ridiculously great writing in the title of the book intentionally because intentional, I mean, ridiculously great is really hard. It's really hard to produce stuff that's amazing. But I think everybody is capable of ridiculously good. I, I think everybody's capable of being a better writer. Well, you alluded to, um, we need to build the necessary muscles to become a better writer. So let's, let's dig into that a little bit. What are some things that we can do to develop our writing muscles? So the first thing is really just to make it a priority. You know, as I talk about in the book, you know, really understanding the importance that words have, that words can convey a lot to the audiences that we're trying to talk to. So, you know, the first thing is really just understanding that. Um, and the second thing is, is just giving ourselves permission to write badly. <laughs> you know, I talk in the book about um, giving yourself permission to create that ugly first draft. Um, I think that's really important to not put too much pressure on yourself to create something really amazing right off, right off the bat. I mean, if you read the first iterations of this book, you would think that I was, I don't know, I was somehow, you know, challenged in some way, because it's pretty, it's pretty terrible, actually, <laughs> it was pretty terrible. Um, and so I think just starting there, you know, giving yourself permission to create something spectacularly ugly, um, and then spending some time crafting it and editing it after the fact. I don't know if you heard this story or not, but um, the folks that have you heard about how the folks at Pixar come about their movies, they actually create failures first and they continue to refine them until they get them right. And then they, they publish them. So they actually give, have you heard, have you heard this story before? No, I have not heard this. They story. actually give everyone on their team permission to generate crap. <laughs> <laughs> and they actually, um, they fully know that, that it's going to be completely, um, chewed up, regurgitated, respit out and refined until it's really, really right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of the, the job of us as writers, isn't it? I mean, like this is part of the reason why I love using speech to text or just recording myself because with a computer, and I don't know if you find this to be the case, but the second you spell something wrong, what does Microsoft word tell you? Uh, stop yeah. what you're doing. You spelled something wrong. <laughs> That's true. And you know, when we just get it out, I mean, there is something to getting it out, isn't there? Oh yeah. There's, there is something to getting it out for sure. You know, I hear about, you know, writer's block, for example, quite a bit. It's like, well, I don't know where to start. 
you know, start somewhere, just write badly, put it down, you know, start dear mom and pretend you're writing a letter to your mom or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your husband or your wife or whatever the case may be. Right. Um, you know, just start somewhere and put it down. Most really good writers that I know are terrible writers on their first draft, but they're excellent editors of their own work. So they usually will go back and refine and recraft, like you were just talking about the Pixar analogy, which is great. That's really fantastic, by the way. Wish that was in the book. Um, so so you know, I think just you know, giving yourself permission to write really badly and then going back and, and polishing it and crafting it. You know, I mean, even with a simple blog post, I will often go back many times and, and recraft it, rewrite, edit, and then, you know, and then I'll hit publish. So I think just taking those extra steps is, um, is really valuable and giving yourself permission to really be terrible the first time out, as painful as it is, at least you're writing. One of the little things that I've done, some of my best work has actually been with a pen and a clipboard and a piece of paper, total old mm. tech, because you cannot erase your mistakes. You know what I mean? And it forces yep. you to just keep writing. And, um, and then, you know, if, if you have a team, you hand it off and they'll type it for you, or you go through the arduous process of doing your second draft in word as you're typing, which I think is so much faster and so much more efficient. And then I just recently heard that, um, the new version of dragon naturally speaking came out in the last couple months here. And it's so good that, um, a lot of people, including like magazine publishers are just, you know, creating audio versions of their articles and then just having to transcribe them with almost no errors at all. Yeah. And I've even yeah. heard stories of people literally recording their books on their commutes home. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. So I talked to a lot of a lot of marketers, a lot of business people about their process, you know, how do you write? How do you do it? Cuz you know, how I do it is one thing, but I'm very text focused, right? I'm, I'm much more of a, you know, a person that, that sits down with either a, a pen and paper, like you just said, or, or a word. But I talk to a lot of other people too, to get, you know, how do you do this? What works for you? And there's a surprising number of people to me, it was surprising anyway, um, number of people who use like dragon actually naturally speaking, or use some sort of, you know, voice to text, like they'll, they'll use something like, a, um, like a casting words to then, you know, have it transcribed after the fact. That doesn't work for me because I feel more tongue-tied when I'm speaking than I do when I'm writing. But, you know, for a lot of people, that's, that, that's actually really valuable. Um, our friend Paul Gillen told me that that's how he writes a lot of his blog posts. And he said he does that for two reasons. One, because like you were just saying, it, it sort of takes that, um, that kind of tension out of the process. Like there's, it's easier for him just to speak. But secondly, he said it makes his writing voice a lot more loose and natural because literally it's a conversation that he's having, you know, that he's, he's speaking the words rather than writing them. So I think that's part of it too. You know, when you, when you asked originally, you know, how do we, how do we do this, right? How do we write? And I think that it's a little bit of a trial and error in finding that solution that works best for you according to your own, you know, personality and proclivities. Absolutely. And another couple tricks, um, you could have someone interview you and, yeah. and you could, um, transcribe your answers. Um, and you could actually see how you describe it in many different ways, which might transcribe good into an article. Um, you could also, um, record a presentation that you've given, you know, and you could get that transcribed. I've actually done that for chapters of my books in the past. And I mean, these are all little tricks, you know what I mean? Yeah. That, of the trade, but I think that's a way for someone who maybe doesn't feel like they're a writer, they might be surprised if they actually were able to transcribe one of the recordings and they'd be like, wow, that actually 
sounds good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. In the in the last section of the book, in part six of the book, I have a whole section about you know um, writing tools or content tools, as I call them, and there's a lot of that stuff in there. You know, a lot of transcription services and and just you know, okay, so I have this all in my head, but somehow that writing process is really painful. How do we actually get it out there? So a lot of what you're talking about is um, is really familiar. So that's awesome. Let's talk about stories because. I think that you are a brilliant storyteller. I've read your personal blog for a long time. Um, you know, I think you said you recently, you know, you've recently started writing more, but I, I think you are really, really good at story. So, um, I want to, first of all, back up and talk about why stories are so important. And then let's kind of dig into how to, how to tell a good story. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you. That really, that really means a lot to me. So thank you so much for that. Um, yes. I mean, I think stories are important. You know, I, I sometimes will joke when I'm presenting on stage, you know, how many of you are human here in this audience? You know, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> totally. all, all humans really do love a good story, right? If you, is it the minute you start talking about story, you know, or you start getting into a topic by telling a story, I mean, automatically we're wired for that. And our, we tend to sit up a little taller and, and listen a little harder um, because, you know, we're, we're all human. We all love stories. So, I mean, I think that alone is a really compelling reason to think about storytelling as, as part of your content strategy, as part of your content marketing. Um, I will say that this whole idea of storytelling, I'm a little bit allergic to it sometimes, at least that term, because it's so hard to to use that, I think, in a business context, sometimes, at least for me, um, because for me, it really does conjure up this whole idea of, you know, more maybe performance art than, than business, you know, it's sort of mm. like story and storytelling and I don't know, fairy tales and spinning tales. And I, I don't know, I just like, I get a little bit, I think it's a little squishy. Um, but I think, you know, well, well, let's, art, let's pause there for a second. So yeah. l- let's explore that a little bit. I think that, um, it's true what you said that everyone seems to pay attention when there's a story. And I think there's different ways to tell a story and it could be someone else's story. Right. I mean, um, I don't know if you remember that blog post I wrote for marketing profs way back when the dark side of Twitter. I do. Yeah. And, um, one of the stories I opened with was the shot seen around the world. Um, when that plane went down in the Hudson, right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was just kind of a little opening of a little bit of a story about how this one guy who happened to be on a barge or whatever the heck it was shot this picture with his iPhone. And essentially it showed up on the front page of every newspaper in the world. And that was a story that immediately I think people resonated with. And then I was able to go in and kind of explore, you know, um, for whatever reason. And I don't remember even the context of how I use that. But I think, you know, there's ways that we can use story to get our point across. And you did it very well in the beginning by telling a little story about how you, um, uh, you know, hadn't really done a push up before. So you, <laughs> you are using it, right? So let's, yes. there is a purpose for it. And I think we can be legitimate. It can be legitimately used. Um, especially if you're focused on telling other stories, what do you think about that? I'm curious. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what I was going to say is just sometimes that term I think feels a little bit awkward, but really what storytelling is all about, what a, what a compelling, you know, brand story is, if you will, um, is that it, it really does show how you exist in the world, right? It talks about, um, it tells who you are. It tells what you do in the context of what you do for others. And I think that is really the, the key to a really good story. Um, I always think about stories as, uh, 
um, like a, like a kind of gift that you give your audience as a way to to connect, you know, mm-hmm. as one person to another, you know, to to give them a sense of what your business is, you know, this sort of living, breathing thing that exists in the world. Um, I think sometimes you get so caught up in just describing, you know, what we do that we forget that our story is really what we do for others, you know, and that's kind of a marketing 101 thing, but it gets lost a lot in, in content marketing. I think that's really the value of storytelling. Okay. So, um, let's just kind of, you know, when you're telling a story, do you do it subconsciously Anne, or do you kind of have a conscious formula that you follow, even if it's just on your personal blog, just to kind of, just to kind of break down for folks kind of maybe what the elements are of good story. Yeah, for me, you know, it was it, so when I'm telling stories on my blog or, you know, on stage or whatever, for me, it's always that human element that I try to focus on. Focusing on, you know, really um, how that product or that service has helped a person. So typically that's about a customer or, um, you know, some person that has been helped by some product or service. And so I always think about that, you know, when I'm thinking about even my own blog and telling stories there, you know, ultimately I think people don't want to just hear about stuff, right? They want to hear about the people behind it. And so even on a personal blog, you know, why does this matter to me? You know, why am I telling you about it? Um, and so I think writing from that I perspective to that, to that customer, that you is really where, where I start. So I think, you know, what that means is that stories are human, right? They're, they feature real people, real situations, uh, and they tell the truth. When you tell a story, part of what's kind of alluring about a story is people don't exactly know where you're going. Right. And mm-hmm. I've seen some people that have said, for example, okay, I'm going to talk about X and here's an example. Um, that's one way to do it. But I think another way to do it is just start off with a story and then say, and this is the moral of the story. I'm curious what your thoughts are on this because part of me thinks that the journalist in you likes sometimes to start out with a story and maybe it's not immediately apparent where it's going. Um, which way, which way do you prefer? Do you prefer to say, okay, here, we're going to talk about this and here's a story to prove it. Or would you rather just start with a story and then along the way, draw the person in and keep them focused and then reveal at the end of the story, kind of what the take home lessons are. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, first of all, I should say that I wasn't always a very good journalist because at my heart, I really was more of a storyteller than a journalist, you know? And so the default in journalism is that you're supposed to get as much information right up front as you can, you know? So, you know, my, my editor used to joke with me and say, listen, this is the, the way you need to approach a story dead. That was the condition of the body that was found at because wow. I would give, you know, I mean, that's not a story. Was, that's like no, the end of the was, story. That's the end. Sort of, I know he was sort of joking with me though, because I always had this, you know, I would, I would always give the setup. Um, I would always give the, the, I wouldn't just go and cover the fire. I would talk first about this amazing library of German titles that was destroyed during this fire. So that was a real situation that I covered and I came back and filed this story. And my editor said, this is great storytelling, but it's not journalism. You know, it's not a news story. So I was quickly shunted off to features because I do tend to give a lot of the background and a lot of the color of the people who are involved in any situation. Um, well, what's, so, yeah, what's your lesson to market? Should they do more of the background and the color of the people or should they more cut to the chase? What's your I, thoughts? I like, I like the background. I like to know a little bit more about people. I have a sort of curiosity about people and, and what makes them tick. I love to read um, autobiographies and biographies for that reason. So, 
you know, as a as a human being and and as somebody who is being marketed to, I like to hear that background. Um, so I wish more marketers would give me the backstory on on things. You know, I wish I would like to hear more about you know where this idea came from or the the ways that it helps that specific person and a little bit about their life. I like to hear about that stuff, but I don't know. What do you think? Because I'd be curious about whether uh, I'm alone in this. No, I think that the power of curiosity is extremely valuable, and marketers often overthink it. And I'll give you a quick example. And you may have seen this a couple weeks ago. I posted on my Facebook page. I said, do not read this post, dot, dot, dot. And then I did about 10 carriage returns. And then I said, I just wanted to see whether your curiosity got the better of you. What did you think? You know, and I got like 120 different people saying, you got me, you know, and um, they said, how could I not? You know, and I think curiosity is an extremely powerful tool that we as marketers um, should use because, um, a good setup, you know, instead of saying dead, you know, um, describing a little bit of the, you know, giving a little bit of a tease, you know, Mm -hmm. in the beginning and then kind of luring them in, I think is extremely powerful because we live in an age right now where there are so many of those dead at the scene messages that are being sent at us constantly. And we tune that stuff out. We're looking for something different. We're looking to stand out. And that's why I think the stories are so popular. Um, you saw a little video that I did of a mouse recently, right? Remember that video on Facebook? I mean, I didn't do the video, but remember I posted that video on Facebook of a mouse? Oh, yeah, that's right. I was like, wait, what are you talking about? Yes. Okay. Wow, that was crazy. Yeah, okay, was so good. describe what was going on in that video for our <laughs> listeners. Yeah, that was a, that was a great video. So the, so the video is uh, features this little furry mouse, cute little thing, walking along along the wall, um, gets to a piece of cheese in a mouse trap. Of course, being a mouse, can't help himself, takes a little nibble. The trap closes on him, and there's this really horrible scene where you see the mouse kind of, you know, the camera pans back. You see the mouse, and you see that little chest heaving up and down. You get the sense that this mouse is on his or her last gasp of, uh, of life, um, about to sort of shuffle off this, this mortal coil sort of thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, the music revs up, and you see the mouse just, you know, start pumping that, that iron above his head. You know, the, he lifts the trap off of him. Um, and it's such a great moment. And it's a commercial for, for some sort of cheat, Nolan it's cheese or something. Cheese. Yeah. yeah and it cheese. says really strong. <laughs> yeah. Really, really strong. Now, I see, think I told you though, I would have loved to have seen that as like a personal trainer or like a, a gym or yeah. something like that. I think that would have been really amazing. But see, this is just a, sh- this shows you the power of a good story, right? I mean, there was, there was really no words in this story at all. There were, there were visuals, but it lured you in and, um, it stood out. And I think that's the take home lesson for us marketers here is that sometimes we don't have to go crazy. You know, we can share a little bit of a story and that's really, I think what makes marketing unique. And that's why some stuff goes places and other things don't. That's just my thoughts. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And I also think that, you know, what's interesting about that is it's a situation that a lot of people can relate to, not literally in the sense of, you know, being caught in a mousetrap, but I think this feeling of helplessness and then suddenly, you know, boom, you know, that that mouse survives. We've been talking a lot about story and we've been talking a little bit about, you know, how to get inspired and um, what what I want to do. I know a lot of social media marketers, obviously, listening to this. So let's get practical about how writing and copy can actually be employed, for example, on Twitter. I know mm-hmm. you manage the uh, Marketing Profs Twitter account. And, um, you know, what are some tips? How can we how can we improve our writing when it comes to something as simple as a tweet? And I know it's very intimidating for a lot of people that maybe don't have a lot of experience with headlines, but you know, what, what tips might you provide to those that are maybe just focusing on Twitter? 
Yeah. So, um, so I think Twitter to me, the real, the real benefit of Twitter is that it truly is a dialogue and not just a monologue. I think the, the way that people sell Twitter short and I, and I'm, I'm disappointed when I see people treat Twitter this way, they just use it to amplify what they're doing elsewhere. So they just, they just use it to sort of share headlines just flat out. I mean, I do a little bit of that at, you know, as at marketing profs managing its Twitter account because I'm sharing what marketing profs is publishing. Um, but I think what's more valuable there is to really share not just what, but also share the why. So in other words, you know, you may share, a headline or something that you know you're doing elsewhere on your website or a promotion or whatever, but talk about the why. Uh, you know, write a tweet as a dialogue and not just as a monologue or, or not just as a headline. Give me an example. Um, so an example of that would be um, even if it's hypothetical. Yeah. So so today, you know, on marketing props, uh, we had a story about um, building your brand. So rather than just putting something out there, you know, with like the headline, nine steps to building your online presence, maybe something like, um, I really like number three here, you know, and then specify what it is. So in other words, putting a little bit of yourself into it, writing it more as a dialogue, imagining the person on the other end of Twitter that you're writing to. Um, in the book, I talk about Donald Murray, who's, who's one of my journalism heroes from, um, from way back when I was in journalism school. And he used to have a, a way of filtering what's news and what isn't news. He would always say, you know, what would make your reader turn to his, his wife or her husband and say, um, now listen to this, Ira, like what would make her repeat that? And I also think that that's a really good way of thinking about what do you share on social? So what's worth sharing, you know, what's worth talking about. Just applying that very simple mnemonic, you know, I think, um, especially if you're representing a, a company or a brand on there. Okay. So, um, if you said, I really like number three here, um, and then you put a link, would you also possibly say, what do you think with a question mark? Or, um, is that what you mean by, you know, making a dialogue out of this, or is it more like just speaking to them as if you were speaking to someone in front of you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you may write, you know, what do you think about this? Or, you know, I I mean, but I think it's fine just to add a little bit of yourself in there, you know, just a little bit of, you know, I really like number three, or, you know, do you think this is legit or, you know, anything in in sort of a a loose, casual way. But I think, I think it's really just about focusing on, on more of the dialogue and, and not just the monologue, like not just sharing headlines, not just amplifying what you're doing, but really placing it into a, a, a broader context um, and sharing, sharing the why, not just the what. Do you, do you experiment with both of those? Like sometimes taking your headline and other times maybe, um, doing the dialogue or I don't know how you would describe it, dialectic method or whatever you're calling it here. Um, or do you typically always do it with the dialogue? I'm just curious. Uh, I try to, yeah, yeah, but I also I try to call out people that are, who are part of the marketing process community. So we, so I notice people on Twitter who are always sharing our headlines, um, or who are always, you know, they're they're great promoters of marketing profs, They're good members of marketing profs. So sometimes what I'll do on Twitter too is um, is kind of give them a, a, a little bit of a, of a nod and retweet them. So mm. I'll do I'll do that kind of thing too. And and to me, it's a it's a little bit. Um, of an, of an acknowledgement, basically, like, I appreciate you. Thank you for doing this. So I just, I spend a lot of time just paying attention to 
what goes on on Twitter, you know, for marketing pros from from our point of view, um, just because it's it's a great driver of conversation for us. Um, but I also I also do a lot of listening there because to me it's it's a good place to to research, you know, to sort of see what other marketers are talking about, what do they think is interesting, what really sparks conversation, and and what doesn't. Let's talk about blog content briefly. Um, you guys obviously have been publishing forever. Um, what, what are your thoughts? I know, um, I know in your book, you, you, um, cited some research by, and I'm forgetting who the guys, Andy Crestedina that said that the average, um, you know, from a search perspective, 1500 words seems to be ideal. Um, I'm curious because what your thoughts are on, on blog content, you know, um, I'm obviously biased. I'm a long form content guy, but, um, I know there's a place for short form content kind of what, what, what's your thoughts, you know, having been around content for a long time when it comes to length and blog posts? Yeah, yeah, that's such a tough one because, you know, we sort of sidestep that issue in content rules. I get that question all the time, you know, how long should a blog post be? Um, and there really is no hard and fast rule. I mean, Andy's... Um, Andy's advice about, you know, that a blog post should be about 1,500 words. I mean, it was, that's really more from an SEO point of view right. um, than anything else, not necessarily, you know, purely from a reader point of view. I mean, it's it sounds like so hopelessly um, unhelpful to say, you know, it's... it's what, what do you, what's, it, your standard, really what's your standard over there at Marketing Profs, Tip, uh, your typical our, our, length? Yeah, our marketing profs were between 750 and 1,000 words for any how-to article that we put out. Now, I will say on my own blog on anhanley.com, I tend to be north of 1,200. So for me, it's really more about 1,200 to 1,500. Partly, you know, as I shared with you earlier, because I tend to write long because I like to give a lot of explanation and background and I really want to tell a fuller story. Um, and so I actually have a little bit of a problem writing short. <laughs> so, well, you know what? I mean, it's 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 always harder to write short, really, isn't it? Right, yes, especially for those really of us is. that have a lot to say, because it's it's nearly impossible. Well, we, the funny thing is, though, I mean, I, yeah, it is hard to write short, but I I feel like I I really do trim all the fat. I don't think that my posts are obese by any stretch, you know. So I'll sort of trim all of that out, and it still is a pretty substantive piece. I just I can't help it, you know. It's just well, I mean, you know, how I'm wired at Social Media Examiner. We're 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 typically a thousand to 2000 words. So we're kind of right Mm. in the range of where your personal blog is. Yeah. You know, Mashable is like, I think less than 400 words, but they publish like 30 times a day. So, you know, (laughs) they're more like the news and we're more like the magazines, you and I, you know what I mean? So I think there really is something to, um, you know, it's true that it's as long as it needs to be right. I mean, that's, that's ultimately what it comes down to. But I do think that, um, long form content is really not dead. You know what I mean? Um, I think it's quite popular still. And I, and all you got to do is pick up a copy of Wired Magazine or Fast Company and look at how long their articles are, right? I mean, they're probably a minimum of 2,000 words, a lot of those serious articles in there, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. And I mean, that's what I was saying. It's like, you know, I don't, I don't, um, what I was describing my, my process on, on writing on my own blog, you know, it's, I, I don't feel like I'm spending a lot of time, you know, wasting space. It's, it's, there is a lot to say when you're writing something substantive and you're taking some time and you're doing the right research. Um, you know, I think there's absolutely a place for, for long form content. And I, I agree with you. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's critical. Well, Anne, we could talk all day about writing, <laughs> but I would like to instead tell people to go get your awesome book. And, and I'm not kidding. Um, it is a spectacular read. This is not one of those boring books. Anne is so good and so colorful in the way that she writes that you, you will eat this up like sugar. 
uh, or, you know, sugar cubes or a nice little, I don't know, cake, <laughs> whatever your, whatever your comp- ice cream, whatever your, you know, whatever your sweet spot is. Um, and tell people where they can get a copy of your book, um, Everybody Writes and where they can discover more about you. Oh, thank you. And first of all, I mean, I really, really appreciate um, your kind words. It, it really does mean a lot to me, Mike. So thank you. Um, you can go to everybodywrites.com. Uh, just put the website up about two weeks ago. So it's it's brand spanking new. Um, and there's lots of ordering options on there. And, um, you yeah, know, thank you. Thank you so much. Anne Hanley, co-author of uh, Content Rules and author of the brand new book, Everybody Writes. Thank you so much for joining me today on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview, and I strongly recommend you go and pick up a copy of Ann Hanley's brand new book, Everybody Writes. And also, if there's anything that we mentioned in today's show and you missed it, well, don't worry. We take the notes for you. You can get those show notes at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 110. That stands for episode 110. Woohoo! And by the way, if you're not already a subscriber to this show, please hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast player you've got so you never miss a future episode of this show. Also, if you have not already done so, I would love it if you'd consider giving us a rating and or a review on iTunes. Super simple, socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back in the driver's seat with you next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash Get updates.